0: Before we start today's episode, I just want to let you know that the doors to My Marketing Playbook are opening very, very soon. If you're a service provider and want to learn how to market your business like a pro, this six-week program is for you. Head on over to mymarketingplaybook.com forward slash course to pop your name in the waitlist and I'll send you an email as soon as the doors are open. All right, let's get going. Hello, hello, and welcome back to My Business Playbook. It's so good to be with you today. Now, when you think about growing your business, what's the first thing you think of? Is it Facebook ads, sales funnels, hiring more staff, or getting a business coach? I think we naturally kind of think, oh, I want to grow. Let's look at sales and let's look at marketing. And, you know, that, that totally makes sense. But today, we're talking all about growth but it's not what you think. Instead of focusing on Facebook ads, funnels, and all of those things, we're talking about one simple and powerful strategy that really works. We're talking about knowing what you're for. This is all about knowing what you stand for, what your vision is of your business, and actually how to articulate that, particularly on social media. I'm joined by Jeff Henderson, who is a business leader and entrepreneur and author of the book, know what you're for. And it's all about a growth strategy for your work and for your life. It's not just about your business, it's actually about you as an individual as well. And in this conversation we're talking about how to define what you're for, why you need to regularly audit your Instagram to make sure you're focusing on your customers, not you. The things you need to be doing daily to wow your customers and we even talk a little bit about narcissism in social media. Oof, (laughs) that one's interesting. So I know you're going to love this conversation. Jeff is an absolute boss. He's been working in marketing and in business for the past three decades. He's worked with organizations like Chick-fil-A, the Atlanta Braves, and North Point Ministries, which is one of America's fastest growing churches. So he understands growth. He understands how to really empower people to understand the vision of the business and of the organization. This is such a great conversation. I cannot wait for you guys to hear it. I know you're going to love it. So let's chat with Jeff Henderson of Know What You're For. Jeff, thank you so much for joining me today. It's so good to be chatting with you across the world. How are you
1: going? Isn't this crazy? I love it. I love it. In fact, I have, I'm, I'm actually in, so I'm an empty nester now, Laura. So I'm in my college daughter's room and she has a map of the world and you're on one side of the map and I'm on the other side of the map but (laughs) it's so good to see you and I'm so honored to be a part of your podcast and I I certainly hope this is a, a value add to your listeners
0: oh I know it will be and I'm really looking forward to your wisdom on all of the things that you're going to be talking about but tell us about what you do tell us about the four company and how you started everything
1: sure well I I Grew up in the church. I'm a pastor's kid, so I promised myself I would never ever work at a church. And I'm a pastor's uh, so kid I, too. Look at us! Wow.
0: Look at us. We should
1: get free. I know we should get free counseling just we for being pastor's kids. So, Issue free. Yeah. We
0: we no issues. Now, did you
1: did you promise yourself you would never work at a church? Yes. Yeah. Okay. See, there you go. Yeah. Well, I have huge respect for pastors' kids. So huge respect for you. Uh, but my dad actually told you know told me that hey you know if you don't do that that's that's cool go do something that you w- want to do so I, I really uh, had an interest in sports and I didn't know that you could do sports marketing so long story short I really did sports marketing I started out with the Atlanta Braves which is a baseball team in America for those of your listeners that may not know that then ultimately did several marketing jobs that led led me to a quick service restaurant company in America and Canada. But hopefully one day, Australia called Chick fil A, and I managed all of their sports, regional, and beverage marketing and loved it. And yet, my wife and I were attending North Point Community Church, uh, Pastor Andy Stanley in Atlanta, and they were launching their first multi site church. And so, long story short, they were so involved in the church, they approached me and said, Hey, you know about you know franchising and multi site and all this kind of stuff with Chick fil A, why don't you come join? In the early days. So, long story short, for the last 17 years, I helped launch three churches in the Atlanta, Georgia area in, in, in America. Uh, but during that time, I, I still was always, uh, you know, I still had my marketing hat on, Laura. So, you know, you can take the guy or gal out of marketing, <laughs> but you can't take the marketing out of them. And I have a huge respect for church leaders, but I have a huge respect for business leaders. But I was on the front lines of two organizations that grew rapidly. Uh, Chick-fil-A, which is a, you know, multi-billion dollar company, and North Point Ministries, which was recently named the largest church in America. And I was telling a mentor of mine, what a blessing that is. And he said, yeah, it's a blessing, but it's also a stewardship opportunity. You need to tell the rest of us what you learned about what caused the growth in these two organizations. And that was one of the reasons I wrote the, the book that I did, because I think it really comes down to two questions, whether you're a business Nonprofit, church, or really individually, uh, these two questions can help you grow closer to your potential. So that's that's, and it just began to when I launched the book. I did a you know uh, a twenty-five city business breakfast tour, and um, it just it just took off, and it just was kind of a, an indication to me that I need to get this message out. And, and it's so exciting because it, you know, it led me here today with you uh, on your podcast. So that's that's one of the, the many blessings and benefits that you, don't, that you don't really recognize when you do something like this. So hopefully, ultimately, the two questions, it's really a growth strategy for organizations, but it's an even better strategy for your personal life.
0: I love that. And I love that you, because I think a lot of our community, there is, and I, I spoke to you about this before we started recording, there's this idea that, we want our businesses to be quite values driven. And when you're in small business, it feels like, well, this has to reflect what I care about and what I really, the change I want to see. And I think we're quite connected to that as small business owners, but where I see this playing out is as it grows, how do you maintain that core the core values because it feels like there's this binary option right like you can grow but mm-hmm. you can't maintain the the quality or the values or the the real ethos of what you're all about or you can kind of mm-hmm. stay small right so i love right, that you've right. you've kind of channeled this thing of you've helped businesses and organizations grow while still really maintaining the culture and really maintaining the the heart behind the the vision of the business so Uh talk to us about that like i know that's a big question but talk to us about the the similarities between a chick-fil-a in a a, a not-for-profit organization how do you actually make the values of those businesses at the forefront of the marketing
1: I'll give you an example. So a, a good friend of mine I went to college with, he, he's a very successful business person. I was telling him about this book, Know What You're For, and, and these two questions. And he said, Jeff, I'll be honest with you. I mean, you're a good friend of mine, and so I know this won't hurt your feelings, but I don't really think there's anything that you can share as a nonprofit leader, as a church leader, that would help a business leader like me. No offense. I mean, what you're doing is important, all that kind of stuff, but I, I, don't, I just don't think it was important. I would be important. I said, okay, gotcha. So let me ask you a question. How many of your employees do you pay? And he said, "What are you talking about?" I said, "Yeah, h- no. How many em- of your employees is it? You know, fifty percent, seventy-five percent, one hundred percent? How many of your employees do you pay?" He goes, "We pay all of them." I said, "Okay, great. Now, do you know how many volunteers show up on a Sunday morning for me for free for our church? Uh, we have two thousand. You know what we pay them? We pay them in coffee and donuts and a free T-shirt." <laughs> and I said, "What? What? What? Why? Why they show up is because of vision." that's why they show up. It's not because of a paycheck. And if you can combine a great product with a compelling vision, you are onto something. But what I see business leaders do often is they get lazy because they think since I'm paying you a paycheck, you better show up, and they assume that they are giving their best. But they don't if there's not a compelling purpose awaiting for them. So what I tell business leaders, if you can have a great product, that's awesome. If you got a great delivery system to get your product out, that's awesome. But if you do not have an overriding, compelling purpose, then you aren't fully engaging your employees because there's something in all of us that wants to leave a mark that's bigger than just us. And I, I call this when you, when you understand what you want to be known for and you communicate that in a consistent manner to your employees, to your team, to your customers, when it comes to your staff or the staff that you work with, I call it the no snooze alarm organization that when the snooze alarm goes off, you don't you know, go another 15 minutes. No, because there's purpose awaiting you at work that day. Yeah. And so that's why I tell business leaders that it's no longer about being the best company in the world. It's about being the best company for the world. And what is your organization doing to help make our community better, our world better? And if there's not a compelling answer to that, then i think what's happening and you see this laura in marketing demographics the younger you go in marketing demographics the more the question is being asked by a younger younger generation like you what are you doing to make our world a better place and if you're not if you don't have a compelling answer i'm not quite sure i'm going going to do business with you but here's the great thing about purpose laura and you know this when you compete on purpose, your profit margins grow because you can charge more than when you are competing on price. And that's one of the things I realized at Chick-fil-A, their they're, what, they're corporate, they're, what's really driving them right now, Laura, isn't necessarily to sell you know, more chicken sandwiches, which they want to do. They want to be known for being the world's most caring company. And there's nothing about Chicken Inn being the world's most caring company, but the, the chicken business is just a platform for them to distribute care to people, both in their stores, um, in their with their customers, employees. And that is a no snooze alarm kind of mentality.
0: That's amazing. I love it. And how do you think for someone who is like, okay, cool. Yeah, I know I want to be, I know I want to leave a positive mark on the world. Like, what do you say if someone's like, but I don't really know exactly what that is. I don't really know how to articulate what that is. What are your mm-hmm. kind of tips for working that out?
1: Yeah, first, it's, it's a journey. And, 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 and I think sometimes, Laura, it's that these kind of questions are so huge and so overwhelming that sometimes it, it just paralyzes us. It keeps us still and we don't, we don't understand that. It. No, it's a journey. And actually the question morphs and changes. Like I just recently went through a career transition because of, you know, this, this, this ride that I'm on with, with the message that we're talking about. So it can ultimately change. But I think the place to start is the two questions that were in the book and and I can go through them real quick. It's just question number one, what do you want to be known for? So what is your unique? compelling mission and vision? What are the things that you do from an organization standpoint? What is what is your dent in the universe, as Steve Jobs would say? And it doesn't have to be one answer. It can be, again, you get to make this up. You get to make it your own. But what do you want to be known for? And then the second question is, what are you known for? So and, and, and here's why these questions are important. This is why when I was thinking about what caused Chick-fil-A to grow, what caused North Point Ministries to grow, what causes people to grow, that when you have a compelling answer to what do you want to be known for, and then that that's how you answer it. But then the second question, the reason the second question is so important is that's not yours to answer, Laura. It's the people that you're serving. So, you know, you might have a fantastic answer to that question, Laura, but... Well, let me pick on me because I like you and I don't like me. So let me <laughs> let me pick on me. So if I were to say, Laura, let me tell you, here's my answers. And I can give you my answers to the question if you want. What a, Here's what I want Jeff Henderson to be known for. But for you to truly understand whether or not I'm living that out, you have to go to the people in my life, uh, my wife, my kids, the people I serve, my family, beyond my kids and wife, and you go, hey, you know Jeff was on my podcast the other day and he was talking a big game about what he wants to be known for is this what he's known for and the reality Laura for any organization any person the reality for me is there's a gap there's a gap there's no perfect organization there's no perfect people but the opportunity each and every day is to close the gap and that's where I tell organizations you've got you should use these two questions you should leverage these two questions because There's so much silo thinking in organizations that I'm over in accounting and accountings versus marketing and marketing's against operations. But we don't know that as we battle against one another, we're actually hurting all of us. So yes, you have different roles, but at the end of the day, accounting, operations, marketing, IT, whatever it may be, we're all doing the same thing. We're trying to close the gap between what we want to be known for and what we are known for. And, Every single day that opportunity happens. But to your point and to your question, Laura, it's a great question. Where do you start? I would start with these two questions. And I would start working through, um, you know, obviously this is no surprise. I would start working through the book, Laura, but I would work <laughs> through the book to, to, that gives you some, some answers. That, But actually, even if you don't want to do that, just get a blank sheet of paper and start writing down some answers about what you want your organization to be known for, and what you want to be known for as an individual. Yeah. And, an assumption a lot of leaders have, Laura, is that once they've clarified this, they think everybody knows it. So I ask leaders to do a vision inventory, to just go around either in person or you know on a Zoom or whatever, uh, and ask, hey, what do you think we're known for? And just see what people say back to you. And then say, what do you think we want to be known for? And just take those answers down because there's got to be clarity because when there's confusion in the office space about this, there will be confusion in the marketplace about it as well. Yeah. So I would just start thinking, thinking about it and start dreaming about it. And what do you want this organization to be known for? And, and honestly, um, when you're a small business owner like you and me, and you work with small businesses you you can you can envy the larger organizations because they have more resources and yet we can adapt and dream quicker than larger organizations and so so don't stop dreaming and and start really starting to understand and think through what do you want to be known for
0: I think that's so I love that you touched on that because I think often in small business a lot of the people that I work with they're the technicians so they might be right. like, well, I'm a hairdresser. That's what I, that's my thing. And so thinking right. about the vision and the messaging and the the marketing a lot of the time is, oh, like I know I have to do it, but I'm just going to do posts on social media and kind of hope for the best. But I love right. that you're kind of saying, okay, it doesn't matter what size your business is, you need to understand and you need to really spend the time to unpack this. So- say when someone figures out, okay, this is what I want to be known for. This is what I'm currently known for. What's the next step? Like, how does this play out? Is it messaging on your website? Is it, you know, do you put what you want to be known for across your social media posts? How do you actually see that playing out?
1: Great question. I I think first of all, before you start talking about it, I would start delivering on it. So I'll give you an example. I think a lot of organizations don't do social media. And so when I go consult or meet with a company, Laura, and I say, by the way, you don't do social media, they 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 lose their minds. They're like, what in the world are you talking about? I mean, (laughs) I can show you our Instagram page. We're we just posted something this morning on you know Facebook or whatever. I said, no, you're doing digital media. You're not doing social media. You've forgotten. You've left out the social of social media. And the first thing I would do is I would look at a small business owner's Instagram page and I would or feed and I would ask them who's the most important entity here? You, the business, or the people that you're trying to serve? And typically and this is rampant in church world as well. So let's just yes. let's just pick on churches since we're preachers' kids. So if you <laughs> go to the the average uh, church's Instagram yeah. feed, it's all about, you know, here's our Sunday morning service or here's You know, our latest content or we're doing this event or watch this thing online and all of that is fine. But the problem is, is that the most important entity is the organization, not the people that it's trying to serve. And so you can say you are for the community, but if all you are talking about is yourself, um, there's a word for that. And it's called narcissism, and I'm not <laughs> saying that organizations are are, 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 are narcissist. I'm saying you are displaying narcissistic tendencies if you're always talking about yourself. So, for us at our at Gwinnett Church, where I, I serve, you know, and help launch uh, that church, we had kind of a litmus test that if we do, we need to tell people about what's happening here. Absolutely, absolutely but if we have like four posts and it's all about us that's a, that's a warning sign warning light on our instagram dashboard to go we're talking about ourselves too much let's start talking about the community the first place i would start is starting to highlight People that you're trying to serve, for example, a lot of organizations stay on their platform and they never go off onto and visit their customers platform and engage with them there. And I would just say, hey, we see you out there. And here's an important point. Old school marketing says, look at us, look at us and tries to you know interrupt your day and shout at you and say, Laura, look at us, look at us. The the new school marketing and the newer approach that will have more of an effect is to say, Laura, we see you out there. We see what you're doing. We're cheering you on. And I'll give you a, a, a sporting example. Um, you know, football, right? If it's a lot of businesses put themselves on the field, and they want the customers in the stand cheering the, the business on. And all I'm saying in the book is let's flip the script. Let's put the customers on the field. Let's put the business in the stands and let's cheer the customers on. Because at the end of the day, it's about them and it's not about us. If you get those two uh, flipped, then you start to highlight the business more and more and more and the business becomes the most important entity. And I'm telling you, the younger you go with demographics, they're opting out of that. And they're asking, "What are you doing to help me?" So the first place I would start is if you're if you've got a small business, I would spend, you know, we're going to be giving example. We would start our staff meetings at Gwinnett Church, and we would go on Instagram and we would search search this hashtag called for Gwinnett. Gwinnett's a county in Atlanta, Georgia, in America, and we would just sit there and like everybody's photos and comment. And Laura, it was it was it helped it helped create something that I call grow small. Our church began to grow rapidly, but we didn't become so impersonal that we couldn't see people out there. And um, and people might say, well, how you know, just one Instagram like or ten Instagram likes a day is that big of a deal? But I love what Andy Stanley, pastor who, who pastors our church, says: do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. So that kind of customer engagement. There's a difference between customer service and customer engagement. Customer yeah. service is, oh, I'm sorry, the product wasn't good. We're going to fix that. Customer engagement says, hey, I see Laura out there. Um, she's the most important entity out there versus me. And I'm going to focus in on her, that kind of personal interactions, the more personable, the more remarkable. And what you're trying to do in that is you're trying to create positive word of mouth advertising that people go, Oh my goodness, they actually commented on my Instagram page. I love this company. I love what they're doing. You're getting really, really personal with them in social, in social media And so that's where I would start. I would try to get really personal with your customers that are your current customer base because the best, most efficient way to find new customers is through your current customer base.
0: So true. And I love what you say about social media being, it's it's actually a social platform and the difference between someone approaching it as digital media and social media. And I kind of, like when i'm working with people and and talking to people about their social media i'm like think about you're not a billboard on the side of a highway that's not social media and a lot of people approach social media in that way they're like hey look at my things look at how good i look <laughs> come see what we do and it's like that's not it's that's not going to work and actually when we can build relationship with people and and it's so powerful social media is so powerful but it's this thing of constantly checking in. And, you know, I have to do this myself where I have to go, okay. And after reading your book, I was like, man, there, I went through my Instagram and was like, I'm not highlighting my community enough. And it's this real, it's this challenge, isn't it? To keep, keep it really aligned with, is this for my community? Is this actually for, am I making this about the people I serve? And, Mm -hmm. or am I showing those narcissistic tendencies? Because, I'm curious on your thoughts on this, Jeff. Particularly in the online course space, it's this weird paradigm because as, you know, and I I, <laughs> I kind of hate the term expert, but as like, you know, if, if you're trying to position yourself as an authority or um, a thought leader, a lot of the time it has to be your face. It feels like it has to kind of have you mm-hmm. you present in it. But I sure. I do struggle with the, the tension of I don't want it to be, you know, about me. And I think a lot of our audience are like, oh, I get more engagement when it's my face in it or someone's face in it. But I don't know how to make that about the people I serve and not cringy and inauthentic. what What do you think when it comes to the online course creator space? Do you kind of cringe a little when you see the, I don't know, if it's contrived or if it feels a bit, it, like you say, that narcissistic tendency? What's your response to that?
1: I think there's a balance because yeah. I do think, uh, for example, you've got great value that you can provide to us. So if mm. you don't share with us what you're thinking, then you rob us. Because yeah. one of the best ways you can be for your community, Laura, is to teach us, to share with us, to let us know what you're doing. So I'm not saying we shouldn't talk about that, but I'm just saying if we're not careful, that will stop there. And, yes. and especially organizations, they will just stop there. And I see this with with large organizations. They just don't have the systems yet that they'll post something on Instagram. They'll get like you know 100 comments and they won't do anything with them and, I, and and these are retail outlets then I'll say, look, if somebody came into your store and said something and asked you a question and you turned and walked away, you would be horrified by that. That's what you're doing every day on social media. So I do think there's a balance there's a balance between telling us, hey, I just launched a new uh, online course. I just came out with a book. this is helpful content and I would I would remind our church, One of the best things that we do to show our community that we're for them is what we do at our facilities on Sundays. And so all that's really important. Mm. But if that's exclusive about what we do, if that's the only thing that we do, then we're trying to get people to buy into what we're doing just for us. And that's just not a good thing. Ultimately, there should be a byproduct of people actually participating with us. And so I do think there's a balance. Yeah. I do think there's a balance. And, and and I'll give you a quick story if if that's okay. Yeah. So I put this in the book, but my daughter's a big fan of the musical duo Johnny Swim. Well, I was not very familiar with Johnny Swim, but they were coming to our town. And uh, they. my wife said, hey, let's get tickets. And I said, that, that's awesome. Let's do that. And then she said, hey, for an extra $50 a ticket, we can get backstage passes. And I'm like, wow, that's... 50 times four, we have four people in our family. That's $200 from what I'm told. I don't know about that. So we decided not to do the backstage passes, right? Well, my daughter was interning at an organization at the time, and they featured her. And they said, this is Jesse Henderson. She likes this food. She likes this and that. And she's, so she's obsessed with Johnny Swim. And they tagged Johnny Swim in there. Well, shortly after this was posted, she took a screenshot of this post and sent it to our little text, family text thread with the letters OMG. She's a pastor's kid that stands for, <laughs> oh my gosh, you know. And what had happened, Laura, is that Johnny Swim had seen that post because they were tagged in it and they commented back to my daughter, Jesse, and they said, We we love you too, Jesse. Well, I mean, her friends are look, did you see that Johnny Swim just talked to you and and you know she's texting us, well, guess what happened next? We bought the backstage passes, right? Because look, you made my daughter's day. I'm going to do, I'm going to make your day, but don't miss this, right? Does Johnny, and I think this illustrates your, your great question, Laura. Does Johnny Swim need to tell us when their new release on Spotify or their new music project or, you know, new concerts? Absolutely. They need to tell us that because we want to know that if they've got new music coming out, we want to know that, but they didn't stay on their platform they left their platform, saw somebody engaging with them, uh, a college student, happened to be my daughter and said, we see you too, Jesse Anderson. We love you. And it earned them $200 with one click of a button. Now, that's what I'm talking about. There's a balance there. And they are like, hey, we see you out there. You are a music fan of ours and we're a fan of yours.
0: I love that. I love that story. And I love that you talk a lot in the book about creating these personal wow moments online. And that to me just totally displays that. How, how can we as small business owners do this on a practical level? You know, like I think a lot of small business owners are running their own social media. They're busy. Like, do you have any strategies on how to actually create those moments in your social media?
1: It really is, and I, and I know that may not be uh, the the most favorite answer, but I'll, I'll give you a question that was asked uh, was given to me by a, a boss that I worked with at Chick fil A, and he would ask restaurant operators this question. And the question was, "What did you do today to build your business?" And many times, Laura, we would get the answer, "Well, you know, I I, I did this catering order last week, and I've got this big thing coming up in a couple of weeks, and I'm going to put this ad or billboard over here and." And David would say, well, that's good. But that's not the question. The question is, what did you do today to build your business? The operative word here being today. So I go back to the, the quote from Andy Stanley, do for one what you wish you would do for, could do for everyone. And the other thing I, I put in the book is don't, don't take the humanity out of the business. Yes. Get personal. And I'm all for scale. I'm all for systems. Look, I worked in franchise organizations. So we all I understand scale. I understand systems. But when scale and systems drive out the humanity of the business, the warning lights on the dashboard should be blinking because you could unintentionally be be driving out the soul and the ethos of the business and the people that are there to serve others. So just do do one thing a day. Do one thing a day. An example would be at our church, we were constantly looking on Instagram for people that we could just wow. It could be a comment, or we would might we would actually send you know. Um, Pregnant mom's ice cream, uh, and go hey we. I love that. they, They they posted and said hey I'm just not having I'm not, you know I got two kids already and I'm seven months pregnant and we would send them Jenny's ice cream which is a big ice cream in America and so we you know we can't do that for everyone we can't send ice cream to you know all the people that attend our church but we can send it to one so those kind of wow moments. And, and also, I'm a huge, huge believer in handwritten thank you notes. Yeah, I have no idea how I'm going to get you a handwritten thank you note in Australia, but I'm going to try to figure that out. <laughs> it's going to be pretty expensive. But I really do believe... So I have a goal of writing three thank you notes a day, uh, five days a week. I take the weekend wow. off. and. I when I left our church recently, you would be amazed, Lauren, how many people say I still have your notes that you sent me seven years ago, thanking me for being a, a middle school volunteer. And so those those you know those systems are really really important. And so whatever your system is, if you do one a day, five days, you know, just go for five days. That adds up at a at a, an extraordinary amount.
0: I love that, and and I think even practically. One thing I found handy on Instagram is because sometimes like typing out a response if if people message me, I find I'm like, oh, it takes a while to type it out. Whereas if I just record a voice message, that immediately is more personal. They can hear my voice, they can kind of connect. And I think it's it actually A, it saves time, but it also it's more personal that way as well. So practical things for small business. I think that's such a good, I love the idea of the thank you note. And I think the voice messages on Instagram are a great way to do that as well.
1: That's a fantastic idea. Fantastic idea because what you're doing, that people hear your voice. And that's one of the things that we really felt in, you know, when we, when COVID hit all of us, you know, we wanted to be and then we were you know, distracted from one another. So we we had everyone on our staff just start calling our church attenders on the phone and just saying, how are you doing? And yeah. it just it just blew them away. And I mean, I would call them up and, and you know, sometimes people would answer the phone a little harsh, like, hello. <laughs> and I would say, you know, is this Laura? <laughs> yes. Hey, Laura, this is Jeff Anderson, pastor. Your, uh, oh, oh, hey, Jeff. How are you? you know, So it was like. Uh, we kind of call them the best parts, but, but I love, love, love your, your idea here of, of using Instagram with your voice to send a personal message. And if you did that for your customer and just checking in on, on them yeah. again, what you're doing, what you're doing is you're wanting to create vision carriers. You want people to be able to say, you know what, I, 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 you know, I did business with Laura, and then she messaged me on Instagram. If you, you know, you you need to learn from her. You need to. They're vision carriers for you. They're vision carriers for our church. And the more vision carriers you have, the more vision casters you have. Because a business is no longer what it tells customers it is. A business is what customers tell other customers it is. That's the ball game. Always has yes. been, but now more than ever, that that's that's the ball game. And when you are genuinely and authentically for people they feel it and experience it they'll tell their friends about it and and that's that's how you're going to grow through that's genuine uh authentic growth
0: totally and i love i love that you're making it about the individual because i think in social media and online marketing and you know all the facebook ads we run it can feel like it's a sea of you know profiles or users rather than no these are individuals and i think I love that your approach is, okay, let's do for one what we wish we could do for everyone. I think that's such, such a good approach. And I think it also takes a headache out of it as well, because you kind of, as you say, like if someone were face to face with you, you would treat them in a certain way. And I think when we think, oh my gosh, there's thousands of people here that I could be speaking to, you end up losing a bit of that um, momentum. And also it can kind of feel too big. To even know where to start, so
1: it, it, and we and what happens, Laura, is we start managing this, you know, organization, and we didn't get into it to manage an organization. Now I'm all for management. I'm all for leadership. I'm all for systems. I get all that, but when you get personable and more, more personal like this, it reminds you of why you got in the business in the first place. Yeah. So, for example, when, as I mentioned, when we all started calling our church members and just said, "Hey, we're just checking on you." Um, you know here I am a pastor going uh, what in the world do we do now? you know, yeah, so I'm just gonna and so I would call people up and they would go, Is this really you I mean how aren't, don't you have better things to do than call me on the phone? I'm like, no, this is the most important thing, and we would have a conversation, and i'm I thought, this is why I got you know, this is why I became a pastor because of these conversations, yes. And yet if I'm not careful, I can look at what's the what's the giving like what's the online viewership you know when all of this stuff, and all that's important, obviously. But that's not why I got into this. Online yeah. viewing numbers is not why I got into this. It's the reason I got into this is to serve the people that represent the, those online viewing numbers or people in a building or whatever. Yeah. So when you do things like this, it's not just for the customer. More importantly, I think it reminds you of why you got involved in this. And we all could, I think, use some more inspiration in our lives. And so when you have customers, now, sometimes you'll have customer interactions that are not that, that great. That's okay. You know, but you get, you get real live, real time feedback.
0: Yeah. I love it. I love it. All right. I have some rapid fire questions for you to wrap up because I just feel like you've got so much wisdom to share. And so know what you're for the book. Honestly, it's a game changer. And, and for me, it's really helped me to go, okay, how do I be self a little more self-aware in what I'm putting out online and, you know, my job is social media. So <laughs> it's been really helpful for me to go, oh, there are some tweaks I need to make myself. There are some tweaks that I need to be, you know, speaking to our community about how do we position us as champions for our community, not people that are like, oh, we want you to be fans of us. I love that that paradigm shift of actually right. it's about becoming a fan of your customer. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's such – such a cool mindset shift. Okay. So final rapid fire questions for you. Yeah. Now I I always find with these rapid fire questions, it ends up not being rapid because I feel like, (laughs) I feel like my questions are like, too big, but anyway, I'm going to go with them, and we're just going to.
1: You're not, you're not selling this product very well, though. <laughs> yeah, the rapid, the rapid fire, fire rapid, questions. Yeah. The it's- rapid fire. You're the rapid fire. I'm the slow answerer. So okay.
0: No, but it's All more right. that I'm like I want to get as many responses from you as possible. So that's this okay. is my my All thing. Right. Okay,
1: right.
0: first question. Success looks like blank.
1: Being loved by the closest people to you.
0: Ah. <sighs> I love that. Okay. One thing small business owners need to stop doing today.
1: One thing small business owners need to stop doing today. Um, I think stop talking so much about themselves and start talking more and engaging more with their customers.
0: Love it. Biggest piece of advice that you wish you knew when you started your business?
1: John Maxwell taught me this just a few months ago. He's a little leadership guru. Yeah, um, he said, "I never had a clear vision. I just kept moving forward." And I think the thing I love about that, Laura, is I think we look at somebody like a John Maxwell, and they had all the answers, so they just kind of followed the plan. He didn't—he didn't really know what the plan was, but he just kept moving forward. And that's been so freeing for me because I'm in—I'm in a new season right now. I have some ideas. I've got this book. I've got another book. All this kind of stuff coming, but not quite clear where all this is going to plan. So when I get an email from you that says, will you join me on the podcast, even though I got the dates wrong? I'm like, <laughs> yes, I will be there. Um, and so keep moving forward. I wish I had known that earlier.
0: Yeah, that's so good. And final question, what has been the most valuable investment you've made in your business?
1: So this is going to sound narcissistic, but, but me. And yeah. the reason I say that is... Ultimately, I am the hardest person that I lead. And um, so if I can lead me, <laughs> everybody else is easy. Yeah. So um, having a coach, I've invested in a coach. I've invested in a transition consultant. I've invested in a counselor uh, just to see what's going on in my soul. Um, that's money that I'm investing. But it's doing the hard work in me, both my mind, my heart, and my soul, to help me get better because, and here's why I say that, Laura, the best gift I can give my business or the people that I serve is the best version of me. And that's the, that's the only person I really have control over is, is me.
0: Amazing. I, I love everything you've shared has been so helpful and practical. I love it. So where can people follow you? Where can people connect with you more?
1: uh jeffhenderson.com or instagram jeffery henderson j-e-f-f-e-r-y and yeah it's just and then actually if they got my get my book i actually put my cell phone in the in the back of the book so they can just text me even from (laughs) australia i got i got a couple of texts from australia recently so um and it's just a way for me to say hey um let me know how i can help how i can how i can serve you so um yeah just get the book and uh It's on page 271, I think, is my cell phone number.
0: I love that. That's so good. And what's next for you? I know you're starting a new podcast. I know you've got a new book coming out soon. Talk to us about that.
1: Yeah. So it's called What to Do in Your 30s, 30 Days to Winning the Most Pivotal Decade in Your Career. And In the 30s, a lot of people don't know this, Laura, but uh, so much of your lifetime wage growth happens in your 30s, and 70% of your life-shaping decisions happen before 35. And so it's just a pivotal decade. And so now I'm in my fifties now. And so, so many of my friends and the people that I've worked with are in their thirties. And I used to say, I remember when I was in my thirties and, Hey, what did you do? Or, Hey, when you, you know, when you were 33, can you remember Or when you first had a kid? And so I got to the point where I started just providing advice. And then they finally said, why don't you write a book and launch a podcast? So here, here we are. It's, it's a niche market. It's only for the thirty somethings. But you know, I feel like you and I were talking before we recorded. I actually think that's, that's, you know, there's riches in the niches, if you will, as the old adage says. So that's, it. that's what's, um, that's what's next for me.
0: So, so good. Well, thank you so much for joining me. It's been such a pleasure and such an honor to chat with you. Honestly, your framework that you teach in in Know What You're For has really helped me. And I know it's going to help so many of our listeners. So thank you so much for joining us.
1: My pleasure. My pleasure, Laura. So great to see you. Hope to see you in person sometime later in the year in Australia.
0: Yes, perfect. What a great conversation. This is such a powerful strategy. And the best part about it is that it actually doesn't cost anything, which is so great. So I hope that you find that helpful. I really encourage you check out his book know what you're for it's a really powerful book it's really easy read and it's helping me a lot to shift the way that i'm um, positioning La La social club online and i know that it's going to really there's going to be great results from that as well if you need to check out links head over to our show notes you'll find everything you need there as always music from today is by the wonderful jake scott what a legend thank you jake for letting me use your song and we'll catch you next week (laughs) that sounded so australian then i'll catch you next week sorry um same time same place go get them